pick up, pick up, pick up. Sitting in her driveway in a blouse, work skirt and fleece-lined slippers, Jill stared at the single letter on her iPhone screen. A. The initial felt like an admission of guilt. As her employee, it would have been natural for Alex to figure in her scroll of contacts professional and personal. Only nothing about Jill's connection to A was legitimate, let alone justifiable. And as of half an hour ago, she had everything to hide. Welcome to the O2 messaging service. The person you are calling is unable to take your call. People don't tell you that chaos is a sound. A churning, crashing, intravenous beat. And it's deafening. They don't tell you that once you've invited that white noise into your life, there's no way of turning it off. Terminating the call... Leaving a message was too risky. And with the four previous attempts to reach Alex, Jill had already taken the precaution to hide her caller ID. She slumped forward to rest her forehead on the steering wheel, forcing herself to breathe in, out, in, out. Slowly now. Slowly. Each exhalation misted up the winged chrome logo at the centre of the wheel, and she watched it dissipate in hazy patches before breathing out once more. The police said they'd be in touch. That's what Paul had said. It could be hours, or it could be minutes, and she couldn't have that conversation without having spoken to Alex. Where are you? Out loud, the words were startling, imperious, and she wondered what the neighbours would think if they saw her sitting in her car talking to herself. She wondered whether Stan inside had noticed her absence yet, and how much a human being could withstand before, like an overloaded electrical system, they cut out. The buzz of her phone brought her to, but it was only another message from Paul. It's on the news. With fumbling fingers, she slotted the key into the ignition, switched on the radio, and sat numbly through an amped-up exchange between an LBC presenter and a vegan campaigner before, finally, they cut to the news. Jamie was third on the bill, only he was no longer Jamie, but a 46-year-old man found impaled on railings on a northwest London building site. It was only a matter of time before the office found out that the dead man was their boss. And as a reporter at the scene delivered details she could never unhear, Jill pictured the news spreading in startled cries and wild, unpunctuated emails from desk to desk. She saw hands clamped across mouths, tears of disbelief, mayhem. As Jamie's partners, it was up to her and Paul to make an announcement, manage the fallout but going into work was also unthinkable. Until she'd spoken to Alex. Then, there was Nicole. Her colleague's name wasn't disguised by an initial, although it should have been, and the sight of it on her phone screen made Jill feel no less toxic. Her own name would have a similar effect on these two women, she realised. 
They were bound by that now. You've reached Nicole Harper. I can't come to the phone right now, but you know what to do. That both women were going to voicemail, despite repeated attempts, wasn't right. But then none of this was right. And what could Jill do? But try, try, try again. Hello? Nicole's voice sounded artificially bright, as though put on for her benefit. Then Jill remembered her withheld number. It's... She cleared her throat. It's Jill. One sec. A party blower blared in the background, followed by a discordant jumble of childish joy. Sorry, who? She heard the jingle of a door swinging shut, all jollity sealed off behind it. 